Hello guys, how are you doing? And welcome to this nighttime podcast where we're going to be talking about the fluid mosaic model. This is our third episode and we are ready to start. So uh, the actual fluid mosaic model was proposed back in 1972 by scientists Singer and Nicholson. So they would talk about this um, membrane that is a phospholipid bilayer with proteins embedded in it. So it would be like a fluid mosaic model because it is moving all the time and it is not static. So a phospholipid bilayer, what is it made out of? So you're going to have a hydrophilic head, which uh, loves water, obviously, and you're going to have hydrophobic tails, which are going to be in between and they're going to hate water. So the hydrophilic part is going to be a phosphate group, which is going to be polar. So therefore it can interact with the hydrogen bonds of water. But in between, you're going to have a glycerol and finally the two fatty acids. Uh, The glycerol and these two fatty acids are going to make the phospholipid um, tails hydrophobic because they are stable. They are not polar, so they are not able to interact with the hydrogen bonds of water. Um, and now, by definition, we have that a molecule that has both a hydrophilic and a hydrophobic part is called an amphiphatic molecule. So that means it has the two properties. Now, what if you put this bilayer into a watery environment? Well, it's obviously going to be able to cope with it because you are going to have the hydrophilic part in contact with the water and in between you're going to have the hydrophobic part. So that part, uh, well, the hydrophobic tails, are always going to be protected. But what about another element which is super important in the membrane, which are the proteins? So you're going to have two types of this. One is going to be the peripheral proteins and the other one are going to, the other ones are going to be the integral proteins. So peripheral proteins are actually embedded in the head of the membrane and they're not going to cross it out. But for example, the integral proteins, they're actually going to go across the membrane. So they're going to literally be in one end and finish in the other one. So the first proteins we were talking about, which are the peripheral ones, um, they are most likely going to be hydrophilic because they're going to be in contact with water the entire time. While the integral proteins are most likely going to be hydrophobic because they're not going to get along with water and they're going to be all the time with this um, hydrophobic tails, which are the fatty acids. So they have different functions. They can be channels, carriers, acting recognition, receptors, or even enzymes. But what do they do? So channels um, are a type of protein that have a pore in it. And so they allow for passive transport to happen. So some molecules are going to pass through and they're going to be following their concentration gradients and therefore they won't need any energy. Other types of protein, for example, are carriers. Um, So they are going to bind to the actual protein and then they're going to cause it to change its shape. So sometimes you might need um, some ATP in order for it to change again uh, to another shape. And so the proteins can actually, well, the molecules can actually go in and out. Um, This, you could have two molecules working on this mechanism at the same time. And these ones are going to be called protein pumps. Remember, this is most likely going to be active transport, so it will definitely need ATP. 
Another type of protein is called a recognition protein. So um, they might they can be embedded in the membrane. And so whenever you get another type of molecule, then you can say a cell, for example, you, you're going to have a receptor, which is going to bind this tag, which is going to be the recognition tag, this protein, and you're going to have a cell to cell recognition. And that's how your body sort of tells you sort of uh, knows that you are interacting with your own cells. I hope I have made this clear. And you also have receptors. So if you get a message from another cell and you have a receptor, then you're going to receive it. And this molecule will most likely activate an entire cascade of chemical reactions, which is going to cause something on your cells. And finally, you're going to have enzymes. So they're experts in making everything fast. So you might need a chemical reaction to happen many times in multiple, in just a few seconds, and you're going to do it by the help of enzymes. Now, this whole thing of the phospholipid bilayer sounds pretty amazing, like everything that scientists have achieved in this century. But we didn't always thought about the membrane the way we do now, you know? So, for example, back in 1935, two scientists called Davidson and Daniele proposed a model of this same cell membrane. However, it was a very different version. So imagine in this case, we're going to have the same phospholipid bilayer. You're going to have the two tails on the inside and the hydrophilic heads. But instead of having like this proteins embedded and having like, you know, integral and peripheral proteins, you're going to have uh, <laughs> sort of like a spread of proteins um, on top of the membrane. So think of this as a sandwich. You're going to have a big uh, chunk like a layer of proteins underneath the hydrophilic heads and underneath that the hydrophobic tails and so this seemed like a like a nice hypothesis um until they found out it was actually not the case but the reason why they thought this was the way it was is because they had uh they took a picture of an electron microscope where it's actually pretty confusing if you see it because you're going to have this, um, it's like a three bilayer. It, it looks as if it was three layers. So they thought um, that uh, the, say, the darkest uh, layer was actually the protein layer, but it's not the case. Um, and so s there were some inconsistencies in, the, in their theory because... Um, they thought that all the membranes had the same structure. And we now know that that is not possible because each different organism, as well as each different cell, needs to have different... It has different necessities, so it's not going to be the same for everyone. And we also know that most proteins are empathetic, but they will most likely have a hydrophobic region. So it's sort of weird that all of the proteins were able to, have, to be in contact with water, and therefore... This model was pretty inconsistent. So, as I mentioned early in this podcast, it was in 1972 when um, the Davidson Daniele model was actually said to be wrong, and they still replaced it with the nowadays model that we have. So, a type of evidence that was that it sort of defined the future of the fluid mosaic model 
was an image that they took uh, when they froze a bilayer. So you could see that the place where you had the bilayer, it was actually pretty unusual. So it was not like a, a plain surface. And it was sort of like broken in between. It has it had some weird things uh, in between. And those were actually the integral proteins. So when they saw that these proteins were not on top of the bilayer, but they were more like crossing it, they were more like across the bilayer, then that's when scientists actually said, we're, we're wrong, guys. The The fluid motor psych model of 1972 is actually the correct one. So then we also managed to prove it again when uh, scientists developed the MRI machine, which uses magnetic fields to study molecules. And so they were able to prove that we have the bilayer that we have nowadays. And that would be all for the phospholipid I'm tired of saying membranes and bilayers, but that would be it for the fluid mosaic model. Thank you very much, guys, and get ready for next episode, which I, it's sort of crazy to make like an episode marathon today, but I might even do it. Have a lot of fun and good night.